Two Kids and a Career is a production of Jill Divine Media. I think in generations to come, the average age of being a first-time parent is definitely going to increase. I almost wonder if we're going to see a, a return to or kind of like a, a boomerang to maybe starting to try to conceive a little earlier in life because the stigma around infertility is um, lessening. And I think oh. the education around the fact that you spend your whole life on birth control and then the minute you're ready to have a family, you're told that it actually is going to be a little bit harder than you thought. So I'm almost wondering if we'll see um, over time a return to uh, thinking about having babies a little earlier. Evoke Creative is a proud sponsor of Two Kids and a Career. They help small business owners like me brand with purpose and market with intent. The ladies at Evoke Creative will help make your digital presence known. Learn more at evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. Hi there and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to season four of Two Kids and a Career. I'm Jill Devine, and I am so happy you are here with me. It has been really fun to sit back and reflect on seasons one, two, and three and think about the things that I loved in each season and some of the things that I would do differently, which I'm going to explain in just a second. But I want to tell you to make sure that you stick around till the very end of this episode for the super mom shout out that is new to season four, shouting out one of those moms that is just kicking butt every single day and maybe doesn't get recognized enough by her family. So I will be shouting her out at the end of this episode. All right. So back to reflection and thinking about what I wanted season four to be about. I, I wanted season four to continue those conversations with experts and continue those conversations about things that I'm not qualified to talk about. I need to have those experts on, but other individuals who may be an expert at something, not necessarily holding the title of expert. Does that make sense? Meaning I can talk to a woman who's had infertility issues that knows that better than me. So I want to continue those expert conversations, but one of the things that I wanted to make season four have more of those natural organic conversations. Not that the past seasons didn't, because they did. They were all natural organic conversations, but there was at least a, hey, let's talk about this on the podcast. Or I know you have this book. Let's talk about that. And there was always a direction. Well, there was a DM that I got through my Instagram at Jill Devine that made me start reflecting on what I was missing in season one, two, and three. And it was those conversations with people that, you know, think you're at a happy hour or you're meeting someone and you're having a glass of wine or you're meeting somebody for coffee and you just start talking. And who knows what can happen and who knows what can be said. And it's just a good conversation. 
That's what I want for season four. I want more of those. Of course, I'm going to still have experts on and guests about different topics, but I need more of those happy hour or coffee date conversations. And so back to the DM that started this way of thinking for me. Here's the message. Welcome back. I have loved following you and watch you reinvent and emerge stronger than ever after a career pivot. Since I have two kids in a career, I thought I'd drop you a line to say if you're ever in need of a guest, I'd love to talk all things juggling motherhood, being a wife, while still managing to kick professional ass and not have a mental breakdown in the process. If this or another topic is of interest, just let me know. Thanks and keep shining. That DM has shaped what two kids in a career is going to be about and include more of those conversations of let's just talk. And the person behind that DM, Cabinie Howard. Cabinie, thank you for sending that and welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Jill. Great. How are you doing? I'm good. Oh my gosh. Welcome. Welcome as my uh, first pivot on season four. Like I said, we are still going to have those experts that come on, but you really did. We don't know each other. We know each other zero. We just know each other through Instagram and now through email. And I just, it just turned on a light. I said, okay, I want to get this woman on. I want to hear her story. I think that maybe she wants to hear some of my story. I want to see what we can do and what we can make happen. And hopefully someone listening can resonate. So let me just back up a little bit and just say what made you really, truly hit the send button because a lot of times people wouldn't do something like that. Well, I love hearing you reread it because to be honest, um, we're moms and I had forgotten what I said in that DM. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like if it happened two weeks ago, um, it's probably moved out of the way for other more pressing ideas, but I um, love that, that that's what inspired the pivot. And I'm so honored and humbled that you wrote back. And I think your response to me was something like, I really needed this today. And so for me, I guess I just felt like there's no downside. I love what you write about. And um, I'm a professional mom. And I think that your blog and your, your podcast are filling a void. And so I just thought this is an area of real interest for me too. And how powerful that you're right. We've never met in person, but I did feel a connection to you through your writing and through your podcast. So why not try and have a conversation about topics that we both uh, care deeply about? That means so, so much to me. It really, truly does. Let's talk about family life first and then your career. So how many kids do you have? And give me all the scoop. We have two kids. My daughter uh, is six and my son is four. And we um, became parents a little bit later in life. Same. Really? That's so cool in many ways and also makes us very tired, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We we thought we would travel the world and um, kind of get things out of the way uh, as newlyweds before we started our family. But what I never really uh, anticipated that it could be really difficult to start a family. And so um, looking back, I, I see that I was a little bit naive in thinking that once you're ready to have a family, you just snap your fingers and it happens. So 
we just feel so blessed and so lucky that it was possible for us, but it was definitely a labor of love to start a family and, and having my daughter and son are the, the greatest joys of my life. I'm going to get back to the two year age difference because that's what our daughters are as well. And it's, it's a struggle, but it's also really cool. But anyway, we'll get back to that. Um, did you, if you don't mind me asking, did you have problems conceiving or did it just take longer than you expected? Yeah, we were one, the one in three um, infertility seemingly falls into you know, three nice categories, if you would call them nice, um, painful categories, male infertility, female infertility, and then just unknown. So yeah, we we tried for about a year and because we were starting as older parents, um, year is kind of like the the Mendoza line of if you try for a year and you can't, then you should maybe consider getting help. So mm -hmm. we were in the unexplained um, category and ultimately, thank goodness, I always say to moms or, you know, trying to be moms, friends of mine, that it's so fortunate that we have Western medicine and, and experts in infertility to help us um, you know, try to make our dreams come true, even if it doesn't happen naturally. It is crazy to me, the older parent syndrome. And uh, I think, and, and maybe you disagree, but I think in generations to come, the average age of being a first time parent is definitely going to increase. Unfortunately, you and I are in that situation where we didn't get that option. And we were told, oh, your time is ticking. At least that was how it was for me. And there was so much pressure and the same Definitely. deal. There was, you know, if you don't get pregnant in a year, then we need to start looking at different things and we need to start figuring that out. And I recently spoke with someone about, um, it's we're trying to figure out some some stomach issues that I'm having and I did have c-sections with both kids and so we were talking about the scar tissue and I don't even know how it got brought up and I said to her you know I I'm considered an older parent and she said is that what was said to you when you went in to, you know, start the process of, of trying to have a family. I said, yeah. And she said, was that constantly said to you? And I said, yeah, it was. And she just said, interesting. And I said, well, why do you bring that up? And she goes, I just don't like that that title is still stuck in your head, that you're feeling all these things. And it made me realize, oh my gosh, I am putting a lot of pressure on myself because I am considered an older parent. And okay. I I don't really know how how to fix that at all. I don't because I I still I constantly say, "Oh, I'm 43 and in 40 years I'll be 83. Hopefully I'll still be alive. So then will my daughters will I see grandkids? Will I not mm -hmm. see grandkids?" And right. I have to make myself Stop, because that is a rabbit hole that is very depressing. Yeah, it can definitely be a downward spiral. I remember being in my early 30s and hearing the term advanced maternal mm -hmm. age. But wow, that's that's bold. And now a lot of my friends who have um, had similar experiences um, going through infertility, and we've just bonded over that where it's like advanced maternal age. We've just been living our best life, having fun, enjoying being newlyweds. And now I'm being told that 
you know, the, the biological clock is ticking, like Marissa Tomei says in My Cousin Vinny. And I just kind of, it, it really um, caught me by surprise. And I think that you say that parents will get um, maybe older as we go because people are trying to get their careers launched. I almost wonder if we're going to see a, a return to or kind of like a, a boomerang to maybe starting to try to conceive a little earlier in life because the stigma around infertility is um, lessening. And I think mm. the education around the fact that you spend your whole life on birth control and then the minute you're ready to have a family, you're told that it actually is going to be a little bit harder than you thought. So I'm almost wondering if we'll see um, over time a return to uh, thinking about having babies a little earlier. I wonder. Well, I actually have that listed down as something that I wanted to talk about just in general. Um, going back to the advanced maternal age, I will not forget that I think I was 32. It was a year before I met my husband. And I remember the doctor said, you know, you're 32. Are you starting to think about a family? I was like, I don't even have a boyfriend yet. <laughs> what are you talking about? And that's when it hit me. And I thought, and and so then I was, yeah, like, what, what do I need to do? Um, but so then it was very stressful for both. Not that any pregnancy is not stressful, but it was stressful for both pregnancy because I, I just had in my mind the whole time, like, you're older, this may not work because you're older. And I just felt a lot of pressure. So, I, yeah, but okay, back to that shift do you think at 25, you would be as patient or are you patient now? I've had this discussion, uh, not on the podcast, but I've said off the podcast with some of my friends, because again, I'm the older one. Like, would I, I don't feel like I would be a good mom at 25 based on how I am now. I mean, my yeah, patience is thin, so but- so I have been told, oh, you're you're not as tired. You are more patient. I just don't know. I don't I don't know. It's so personal. I think that definitely in my 20s, I was still wanting to um, see the world, find my career passion. And so um, just from the perspective of maybe not so patient, because I still even at my advanced maternal age isn't aren't I'm not the most patient in the world. <laughs> but I think that my um my ability to be more selfless um, grew exponentially as I got older because mm -hmm. I had a lot. I felt like there was no part of me that it still had wanderlust. It was like, oh yeah, I'm ready. This is my time to, you know, put these two little heartbeats in front of mine. And I think it's so personal when you might be ready for that. And there may be some, you know, really ad admirable twenty somethings that don't necessarily need to go do all those things. But I right. know for myself, there was a lot I wanted to do before I, you know, had two people traveling behind me on an airplane versus just being able to pack it up and go by myself. So I think, and I think for a lot of people, um, my, if I can say one curse word, my give a shit meter is down a little in terms of like, um, getting upset about school stuff, or I just feel like I'm a little bit more, um, mature as a parent, where as if I was in my twenties, I feel like I might've gotten caught up a little bit more in the rat race and the, you know, with the other moms and stuff. And I don't have that feeling. Um, I, I attribute that maybe a little bit to age. It's coming in handy right now when everyone's, 
know, so concerned about school and what the choices are. And am I making the right one? And I'm like, whichever one we make is going to be right. Right, right. Let's come in Monday lately. I go back to thinking that what I realize about myself at this age with these girls that I might not be very patient still (laughs) at all. Um, But it doesn't bother me to miss a happy hour. It doesn't bother me to miss a dinner. And I have friends that'll say, but it's healthy for you to get out. And and I 100% agree. Like let's, I'm talking pre-pandemic, but anyway, um, (laughs) when we used to drink and see people. (laughs) Right. Yes. I do agree that it's super important, but I did all those things. I had all that time. I, I don't, it's not I a totally slam. Agree with okay. I, it's not a slam against friends or family in any way, shape, or form. But right now, I'd rather go and be with my family. Again, pre-pandemic. Now it's a little, it's a little like <laughs> I'm ready to go. But in the grand scheme of things, like if I was coming home from work and had the option to go to a dinner or a happy hour versus being with my family. I wanted to be with my family, especially with these ages, like two hours a day. Again, pre-pandemic, how many times can I say this in this episode? But just having only a couple hours a day wasn't enough for me. And so I think that that's what made me realize at this age that I was okay because I had done it all those prior- things. It helped me prioritize. I completely agree. And again, no judgment on anyone and where they are and what right. they want to do and prioritize. But I do think that depending on where you are in your stage of life and what you've already seen and done, you can you can definitely be clearer about your priorities. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think one of the things that I had mentioned oh man, back in season one with the age is that you made a point that it is the, uh, it's really about the person and what I guess I get worried about and what I see. And, and, you know, you can't just say just because I'm 43 that I have everything together. I don't, but when I think about how these kiddos can really just set me off and just make me lose my mind. And I think about 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds. Yeah. And that's, I think, where I, I get worried. And, I, and I, I'm remembering exactly this conversation. It was with Rachel Zimmerman. And I had told her that one day, um, Brian and I, we were at the store And we saw this very young couple with a newborn. And when we were leaving, I was, I was, he was like, what's wrong? I said, I'm just sad. And he said, what are you sad about? I said, I don't know those people at all. And I'm not judging them. I I mean, maybe it feels like I am judging them, but I said, I just can't imagine at the age of 18 or 19 having a newborn. Like I just can't. And he said, but you, you can't think about that. And I said, but it bothers me. And, and what, Rachel had said to me in this episode was, she said, I think what you're trying to say is you don't like when people can glorify having kids like as an accessory. And we were talking about kind of like um, Kylie Jenner and like it, 
it's totally different to play dress yeah. up with your kid when you have a full nanny team around you. And, and I'm sure it's still hard for her as a celebrity, but I just, that's what, it's not an accessory. This is hard freaking work. It is so true, Jill. And I just think that one of the things I recently um, was thinking about all these topics and I've had this strange urge in quarantine to write. I've never cared about writing. I've never been a writer and it's just kind of started like ooze out of me. Like seriously, I have to run to the paper and start to write stuff down kind of like oozing out of me. And one of the topics was I used to think in my corporate life that there was this mentality about, you know, what kids like don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I didn't even want anybody at work to know I was going through IVF. Like there was this very, like, you're either going to be a businesswoman or you're going to be a mom. There was just this very strict kind of line between that. And so I started thinking about how quarantine has broken down all those boundaries. Like you're on Zoom calls, you're on with clients, you're trying to get new business, you're on with your team and like people could crop up any which where, and there's no keeping your kids on the down low anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what made me think about that other than, you know, this comment that they're not an accessory. Our children become an extension of us. They're like one of our limbs. And so whether you're, you know, trying to um, hold down a job and, you know, also in the same breath, um, keep them kind of uh, on a shelf and behave all the time versus, you know, having a random doctor appointment. I feel like the fluidity between work and home and motherhood and professional life has just become so blurred. And on one hand, I think we think of that as this real challenge and the million dollar questions for working moms. But I've actually, in the writing of this most recent blog post, I think it was last week, I had this kind of epiphany where I thought if we can manage the stress that goes with balancing it, it actually has the potential to make us the most ninja work warrior because being a great mom requires super organization skills and also super nurturing. Like you have to have a high EQ to know when your kid's upset or be able to be sweet when they're having a tantrum. And so some of the qualities that are required to be an amazing parent can actually help us um, become even better leaders and better employees and, and managers. And so I've just kind of had this awakening that the headline was um, what kids balancing uh, motherhood and quarantine. And really through that, I came up with some ideas that I think we can all kind of talk about and put into practice. And then I'm looking for more tips from moms who are, you know, again, we don't, we don't really believe that we can quote unquote balance it, but what would like a imperfect balancing act look like is kind of the thing I'm most intrigued with lately. Um, first of all, before I forget, so you write a blog, where can people see that? Well, I hardly even publicize it because I sort of write when the, right when the inspiration strikes, right? So I do it probably, I was just kind of thinking about my frequency. I'm sporadic at best. I feel like it's been probably every, you know, 10 to 15 days. And again, that's just when I have divine intervention strike, but it's cabinyhoward.com. Oh, okay. Um, so separate from my work blog, we've got um, a really great marketing blog at my work website, um, kaleidoscopemg.com. But my my personal site that I've started because I was finding that there were so many topics that I cared about and wanted to, you know, share with other women and hear other women's input on that didn't really belong on the on the work page. So I started the cabinyhoward.com. 
I will make sure to have that linked up in my show notes at jilldevine.com. And speaking of websites and jilldevine.com, I think this is a great time to tell you about Evoke Creative because they put together my website. And I know you talked about that earlier, Kevinny, about how you loved what I was writing about and you loved the podcast and all of that really comes from Evoke Creative. So the ladies at Evoke Creative they helped me build this business. They helped me build this brand. And my website definitely is something I'm so proud of. We took my vision and their professionalism because I'm not a professional when it comes to the website. And we made it happen. We put it all together. And that is where you will find all the blogs. That's where you will find every single episode of Two Kids in a Career and a little bit of other fun stuff. So if you are looking for two amazing small business owners to help you with your small business needs, you need to contact my ladies at Evoke Creative, evokecco.com. All right, back to Kaleidoscope because that's your business. I want to talk about that. But first, uh, there was something that you were saying about the Zoom calls and how your kids you know, before they, they had to be in the background. Like it would be unheard of to, to have your kids be a part of these things. And embarrassing, right? Right. It made us less less serious. Right. And now here's a good example. Listen, I don't have a lot of time to watch trash TV, but my guilty (laughs) pleasure is trash TV when I can get some time. And uh, just have you, <laughs> um, so they've been re-airing all of the different bachelors and bachelorettes on mm-hmm. ABC 30. So they've been re-airing like they, they like basically take one season and put it down into one night, one episode, and then they'll do follow-ups with some of these people. And this is the prime example. They had, you know, a lot of these follow-ups, these men and women are, in family mode now. And they're, some of them are, have really young kids. And so, you know, Chris Harrison, the host, he'll say, Oh, let me see the kids. And then the kids come and they're like ripping the earpiece out of mom and dad's ears. And they're just jumping around. And you could see like some of the parents are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I'm so sorry. And Chris is like, no, it's okay. And then other moms are like, it is what it is. And so it, it made me just this morning. So we have one of the girls, uh, former teachers, she comes over and watches the girls one day a week. And so I was giving her the scoop of my day. I said, okay, so I'm recording. Um, so if you could just make sure that the girls stay in the family room. And then I looked at her, I said, you know what? It doesn't matter if they want to go in their room and you can hear them in the background. Who cares? Like, Exactly. Great. Who cares? Right. We're all doing this together. So I just like have learned maybe at like this, which we keep joking, advanced maternal age, just to tune it out. (laughs) It's so funny because I don't know, like I I have, I hear from people and I have uh, two older nephews that girls and boys are completely different when they're little. And I mean, I have a sister. So my mom always joked around about how when she had her grandsons, like they're so different than girls. They're just crazy and they get into everything. And then I swear my girls are boys because they are like 
the craziest girls and then they just like to scream. They like I one scream. And the other one will scream and they just scream. And so my husband, Brian, and I, we've just learned to tune it out. But we see when other people are around, they're like, what in the heck? (laughs) Oh, we're just used to it. So, I mean, that's just what they're doing. Tolerance, don't you? Well, (laughs) I was always um, very against any type of gender stereotyping. And then I had a girl and a boy and I thought, well, there may be something to this because, uh, my daughter by age three and four would be playing solitaire and like, you know, grabbing a book and having some independent playtime and, you know, just a very girly girl, super feminine. And then my son came along and I just love being a boy mom and he runs us around. I mean, it's like all the things that you would think with the lightsabers and the, if he can, if he can jump off of it and the sharper, the better and the, you know, more death defying, the better. So I had to really up my game in terms of, you know, if, there's a glass shelf within a mile of us making sure that it's out of his reach. It's just, he would find it if it was danger, danger zone. And she was never like that. So oh my gosh, I sort of had to just embrace the, the fact that there are differences between genders and there's no judgment assigned with it, but man, one will, one will tire you out. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they're calm boys. I just never, I've never met them. I, yeah. I was going to say, I, I definitely the youngest. I'll send her over and see if she <laughs> and your son can like can play. hold each other's own on that one. Um, <laughs> I know I keep saying, I want to talk about your professional life, but I, I want to go first back to the kids being two years apart. I think that something I have said in previous episodes, again, back to that advanced maternal age. First of all, Kevin, how many times can we say advanced maternal age and pre-pandemic? Um, <laughs> we should do a tally mark here. So um, I've said that because I am older, a lot of my friends, their kids are older. And I don't think that they have forgotten what it's like to have kids this little. But in a way, I think that they have. And so that's the well, other thing. Right. Yeah. Like, that. I mean, I think about sometimes that they may forget like, oh, she can't answer the phone because, you know, in 2.2 seconds, anything can change. And so That's right. the other thing is, and my mom just brought this up to me the other day, but my sister and I are five years apart. And so she said, you know, as much she said, I, she stayed at home. Well, I think. What did she tell me? She didn't go back to work until I was two and a half. So she was like, it was hard. It was so hard. But I also recognize that five years apart is really different because your your sister, she could go and do some things on her own because she was older. And she did recognize like two years apart is hard. And I, again, we had our kids so close in age because of that advanced maternal age. I also wanted to see what this relationship would be like with them being this close because my sister and I are five years apart and, you know, we're close, but it is a difference. You know, we didn't get close until honestly, until after high school. I mean, until I was graduated and she was out on her own and like, I could go to the bars with a fake ID it just, we didn't bond. I'm a big fan fan of the two years apart. I'm one of four and we're all two spread out two years apart. And there's just, for me, something about watching our kids be just old enough to um, be each other's best friend. 
you know, and that's been a godsend. I've thought a lot in quarantine about uh, parents of single, single children. And, you know, we definitely were facing that because um, my son was the very last embryo that we had. And after going through um, egg retrieval and such, there was no way I was going to go back. So I knew that he was really my last shot at having a second child. And so I was I think bracing for and facing the idea of having an only child. And, you know, it's wonderful to even have one is a blessing. Right. So, um, but when we've seen the number of hours where if we have to work or, you know, they're tired of talking to us, they have each other. And I, I know, you know, two years apart is a, is a great spacing for that. That's all I know. But I imagine even though our kids fight occasionally, they also are each other's best friend, which is awesome. That's what I, I guess I have been really worried about is just, (laughs) you know, I want them to be best friends. And then sometimes when I see them fight, I get all freaked out. And Brian's like, Jill, it's their ages. Come on. You can't. (laughs) And and then I'm like, okay, because everything's not going to be perfect. And you know, there's no guarantee that they'll be best friends when they're older. My hope. Personality similar. Yes. And no, I, that it's, that's a great question. And I feel like I should know the answer to that. And I don't because, well, the youngest Charlie, she is, she is a spitfire. Woo. That girl, like she, (laughs) mm -hmm. um, the oldest Lou, she's, she's very, very sweet. And, but like, it's so funny because I can see the things that Lou does now. Charlie will, she'll, she'll copy and, so then I think, oh, I have like the same kid. I mean, they're very different, but very, very similar. It's 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 very strange. I don't really know how to, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, I think the ones that we love the most, I mean, my sister's growing up, um, it's it's a love-hate thing, right? And I think that the the people you're closest to often get to see the the crazy, crazy, wild and ugly side of us. And that's part of why we, why we love them so much is because they still accept us for yeah. the, the warts and all. So I have a feeling just based on what you're telling me, they're going to be BFFs. Well, Kebony, I hope, I hope so. That's like, <laughs> I mean, I joke about it, but it is, it is one of the things like that is my wish. And, and maybe you've thought about this, at our advanced maternal age, like I just thinking, I just, I want them to be there for one another when we are not here anymore. Like that's something that goes in my mind a ton. Yeah. I want that for them, them too. And I think that, um, if he's, if they're anything like my son, if, if I want him to smile, I tell him don't smile. So I try to sort of not impart my, my thoughts or my preferences because sometimes I think they're going to do the opposite. Yeah, I know. And like, I just don't want to screw him up. And I already am like, Oh, you're heading there. Lots of hugs. My, my philosophy is just like, we complicate parenting and especially mother daughter. It can become so wrought with all kinds of you know, layers of psychological uh, thought. And I just think sometimes the main thing that they need from us um, is, is just the hugging. So I try to, I try to just go, go heavy on the hugs. Oh my gosh. We, we are hugging, uh, kissing. I love you family. Like that's there, it. There's so like many. There anything wrong with that? Everything no. else, I think everyone has an opinion on. But the over over hugging, no one ever no. said that that's gonna mess them up, right? No, love. <laughs> yeah, not at all. 
Let's uh, pivot to, I think, something you and I also have in common, our careers. I, I believe, even though I don't know that we both, um, and I don't know this for sure is what I guess I'm trying to say, like our career was our focus. That's what you and I focused on. And I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't ever think that I was going to have kids. My career was my baby. So tell me about Kaleidoscope and what you do and what it's all about. Sure. So um, I can definitely relate to um, your work being like one of your babies. So I've had people say to me, you know, are you going to have a third kid? And I look at them like they're crazy. And I say, hello, I have one. I have a third kid and it's as high maintenance, if not higher maintenance than my biological babies. And that's my company. And I love it. I give it a lot of time, um, sometimes more time than I probably should. But I always think that that's not a bad thing if you love what you're doing. And I've just never been the type of person to clock in, clock out. Um, I would much rather work long hours, but love what I'm doing and bound out of bed. And so about, not about, five years ago, um, I was working in a large corporate setting and I did that by uh, design. I really wanted to go and see what it was like on the inside of a publicly traded company because I always knew I wanted to go out on my own and be an entrepreneur. But I thought that I needed to first, um, you know, just even for my resume and really understand how the how the large corporate Fortune 500 worked. So I did that and I did it for five years. And through that process, I really tried to figure out what I love, what what motivates me? What am I good at? Um, and so I've done that a lot leading up to this point. Um, try things out, see how I like certain jobs, um, try to gather some learning along the way. And then I finally felt um, in 2015, like I was ready to go out on my own. And I did it because um, I had been working on the client side, <clears throat> hiring marketing agencies, and I was able to see what kind of work they delivered, um, what aspects of the work I was getting that I liked, how much they were charging. And I just started to really think that there may be an opportunity in the marketplace for a marketing firm like ours. We're very heavy on social media management, um, digital marketing. We do a lot of content development, SEO. Um, and then we're really as much marketers as we are project managers and problem solvers. And to me, that was the real thing that I wanted to offer that I wasn't necessarily finding at the highest level when I was um, hiring marketing agencies. And so here we are five years later, and it turns out that you know, that bet was a good one. There is an opportunity in the market for a marketing firm like ours who are, um, I kind of liken us to um, Thunder Blankets. Some of our clients have been like, when you guys are around, I feel calm. I know things are going to run on time and under budget. I'm like, that is a high, high form of praise. Yeah. So that's a little bit about Kaleidoscope. I love that. Tell, tell me a little bit about your team. Sure. So I've built it very slowly. I think that I've always thought that there was no trophy for growing the fastest. Um, I think our culture tries to kind of create that like fastest growing company awards and all that. And so I've tried to not get too swept up in that only because I'm building this uh, for the long haul. I want to create a sustainable uh, firm. And one of the things I noticed that's, I think, a challenge in the marketing industry is that you get a big client, you balloon, you add 10 people. And then if that business goes away or, you know, is, is um, you know, lessened over time, you then have to lay people off. So I've been trying to remain very thoughtful in the way we scale so that I don't just grow only to then contract. So 
we are um, including um, a handful of contractors who we keep very busy. So we have a, a really great team of consultants, but we're at about 10 people who are um, full-time for us. And that's a, that's a nice number for me. I'm not trying to be the biggest, um, mm -hmm. or like I said, grow the fastest, um, but just do really great work and then provide a great opportunity for our team members to do great work. Um, let them tell us what they want to do more of and making sure that they like the work they're doing instead of just getting big, big accounts and then telling them that they're going to do stuff. I'm trying to find that right back and forth between what kind of work do we want to go for and that our team really enjoys doing? And then what are people asking of us? What, what does the market want from a firm like ours? And so being smaller allows you to make some of those types of choices that I think leads to much better uh, quality of life. Oh, 100%. And there's that relationship aspect as well. So as a female entrepreneur, a small business owner to another female entrepreneur, small business owner, that being me, what advice do you have? Because it's not easy. And um, yeah, especially in these times. You right. Know. So what can you tell I'm me? Say, um, I've got a really good girlfriend who's also um, self-employed, uh, small business owner. And she just says um, that entrepreneurship is, is not for sissies. And I think that um, it's a great, it's a great thing to remember when the going gets tough. Cause I think it's nine times out of 10, it's wonderful. You get to be your own boss. I love developing people. Um, I'm a people person at heart. So for me, the most fun part of the job is finding people who are, um, you know, motivated and engaged and share our values. And so I love that part of the work. Um, but what I would say is for anyone wanting to go out on their own, you have to, you have to have a bit of a, of a thick skin and um, a tough stomach because in the good times um, you're able to make payroll and um, make a good wage. And then in the difficult times, you're also um, responsible for people making a good wage. And so just knowing what your risk tolerance is, is huge. I think a lot of people um, mistakenly go out and think that entrepreneurship is super sexy and glamorous. Mm -hmm. I think that there are aspects of it that can be. Um, you can take a day off if you need to. You don't have a boss to ask permission to, but there's a lot to it that actually is late nights and um, making sure that you're doing right by your team and your clients and it, the buck stops with you. So making sure that you've asked yourself what your risk tolerance is before you go out and do it, I think is a huge thing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's been a lot that we've discussed and oh, I, yeah. I just, I can't wait to meet you in person. I just love that you reached Thank out you. and you connected. And I appreciate that because now this opens the door for other women to contact me and tell their story because everybody has a story and everybody's story is different. And I agree. And you know, you're creating such a great platform. I was so oh. proud of you when I first read about what could have been, I think, a very tough and painful situation. And you could have just kind of folded it all up and, you know, gone home. I just love that you continued, you pivoted, you um, believed in yourself. And I just, I think it stands as a really great example for other businesswomen to say, if it's not one thing, it might actually be another, and it could even be better than what it was before. I think sometimes 
we live in a scarcity mentality where if we lose a job or we change careers, it's like we we long for what was mm-hmm. versus there may be something even better around the corner. And I just, I live by that and it's served me so well. And I think that you're creating such a nice platform for other women to share examples of when that's been true in their lives. I told myself not as much crying this season, but (laughs) (laughs) it means a lot to, um, (laughs) to hear that because it, it is tough and it's been quite a transition for me in so many ways. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much. Courage, And you have to be vulnerable. And if Brene Brown has taught us anything, it's you became a worldwide sensation, basically just telling the truth and allowing herself to expose weakness and be vulnerable. And I just think that for all of us, um, we, we hustle really hard, but then we also have to make sure that we, um, we, we rest hard and that we are very uh, forgiving and accepting of our of our fellow female business owners. And I was so encouraged for people like you and me, St. Louis ranked number one last year in female founded uh, companies, so startups. And so it's a very supportive and abundant market for women like us. And there's something about, maybe it's in the water, there's something about where we are that is bringing that out in women. And I think we need to, we need to celebrate that. Well, I will say that I have been guilty of scrolling through something and seeing another woman who I did find some envy and jealous and just scrolled through and then went back because part of it is also my faith and growing my faith and realizing that's one aspect. Like, you know what? There's no, there's no room for hate. There's no room. Well, it just, it's me growing as an individual. And so while I can recognize the jealousy and the envy, I, yeah, I have to own it. And then I will go back and I'll just be like, no, you like that and comment. And then, and if there's people that want to think there's an agenda, then let them think it. And if there's people that don't like what you're putting out, they can just scroll through. Like you don't I love that. Jill. I've had to really take that own advice myself. It's I'm hard. hard. Faith. We'll have a faith uh, podcast okay. in a year from now and share share notes on that. I think that that is so important. And so, if I find myself feeling that way, I have two choices: I either unfollow because I can't get yep. over my judgment of it, or I go and like the heck out of it. Yep. And I think that if you wallow in the in between and judge it, and then maybe go talk about it or slam it, that's something to maybe look inside of ourselves and ask ourselves, what's that about? Um, because those people are are really living, living on full volume. And I don't think that, you know, it, it serves us to tear that down. Well, I would love to have a a faith conversation. I don't, I think you said it perfectly in, in a while because faith is not something you grow overnight. It, it has been a process. So, um, if you will accept it, Kebony, I would love for you to come back. Consider the answer yes. And like you said, I'll have some work to do between now and that because I'm also on my own faith journey and it's so fun and so exciting, but we can trade notes and uh, hold each other accountable. Yeah. I feel like we should be doing like a fist bump here or something, even though we're not supposed to touch each other. Like, <laughs> aren't, people, aren't people doing like elbow? elbow yeah, bump? Let's do that. <laughs> I'm such a hugger, but I have to like sit oh down where there are people because I don't trust myself not to, you know, give people a big warm embrace. I know I'm the same. I'm like, 
hugging is so hard. Like that are not, it's hard not to do. Like I want to hug you and it's just awkward. So, well, we will hug once we get through all of this. We sure will. And I saw your Pinot Noir fan. We'll find, we'll find oh. some red wine. We'll find some red wine and some, uh, and yeah. some hugs and faith, faith filled conversation down the line. Before I get to the super mom shout out, let's talk quickly about evoke creative because so many people are dabbling into wanting to create their own website or they have the website, but they need to put some more oomph behind the social media marketing. Evoke Creative can do all of that. They have the consulting aspect. They have the web design aspect. They have the marketing aspect. No matter what you need as a small business owner, Evoke Creative will help you. Check them out online, evokecco.com, evokecco.com. Before I end this week's episode, it is time for the Super Mom Shoutout. New to two kids in a career, I've been telling you about the Super Mom Shoutout, how you nominate, and I will definitely let you know how you nominate, but we got to get to it. I want to get to our first Super Mom Shoutout. This week's Super Mom Shoutout is going to Robin of Wildwood, Missouri. On behalf of her husband, Mark, he wrote this. I'm going to nominate Robin for a shoutout. Since March, we had both been working from home while also keeping a three-year-old safe and relatively content. While we identified the privilege of having that option, it was still stressful navigating an autoimmune-compromised daughter. Now that classes are back in session, Robin is working extra hard. She's a clinical nursing instructor at Maryville University, and she's also trying to help with the transition to online that many schools are taking. She's always trying to figure out how she can make things easier for her students without sacrificing quality. I'm also in classes, so a few nights a week she solo parents after work so I can focus on my own schooling. And there's also an needy bulldog in the house, and he still gets spoiled. I think Robin deserves this shout-out for sure. I agree, Mark. And Robin, I see you, I support you, and you are a super mom. If you have a super mom that you want to nominate, you can email me, hello at jilldevine.com. All I need is the name of that super mom, where she's from, and a brief description as to why she deserves the super mom shutout. And for updates on the podcast, follow along on Instagram at Jill Devine. You can also stay updated by visiting my website, jilldevine.com. And lastly, when you have a minute, can you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast? Any love sent my way is much appreciated, and I'm thankful for your support. Have a good one. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next week on a new episode of Two Kids and a Career.